0: Wow. I asked you to take your Bibles today, if you would, and turn to Luke, the ninth chapter. Luke, the ninth chapter. We're going to be looking at... Wow, something very critical that we need to stop and examine ourselves by. The Word of God teaches us it's a mirror, that that as we look at it, it should reflect back to ourselves. What do we see in the mirror? Many times we're afraid to look, man, I... I tell you, sometimes I'm, I'm afraid to look in the mirror because I might see what, not like what I see. But folks, we need to address that. And we need to allow God to reflect Himself upon us and His Word upon us. We also need to stop and ask ourselves and, and give us a measure. God, what, what do you ask of me? What, what are you requiring of me? Last week we studied um, where Paul wrote these words. He said, God forbid that I should boast except in the glory or in the cross. Of my lord jesus christ and and when you begin to think about that you think what kind of a boast what type of glory is that i mean we all like to boast we, we like to boast about our ball teams you know if you, you ask me i can i can do a lot of talk i can do a lot of smacking this morning but you know what that that's that's not going to last and you know i can boast about my kids and i love god i thank god for my kids and um you know, I can, I can boast about gosh, my, my church fellowship. and But Paul says, God forbid that I would boast in anything other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's in the cross that I get to know God for who He really is. I get to see His holiness. It's in the cross that I begin to see me for who I really am. It's through the cross that I begin to see God's great love and God's great mercy that we just had an opportunity to sing about. You know, other than through the cross, I would never truly... See and comprehend those things. And what's so neat about the cross? It's always level at the cross. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we can all go to the cross. And, 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 and God's, Paul says, God forbid that there's nothing that should be so important in my life that I should just glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at the cross today, but is it applied in another situation? You know, Christ had a, a cross to bear, but... The Word of God teaches us you and me have a cross to bear, too. And we want, to, we want to look at that and continue on with that type of an idea today because, you know, who are we as Christians? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? You know, if I, we took a poll across America today, it'd be weaker than probably in, 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 the, in the past, but still it'd be still amazing the percentage of people, if you ask them, you know, if you're a Christian, they'd say, yes, I am. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a Christian? To be a, the, the word Christian is coined to be Christ-like, that, that I identify with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? And, and, and the real stuff, when the rubber hits the road, what does it mean to be a Christian? What it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be Christ-like? And I believe today, if we, if, if we applied this teaching to what most people consider, there's a lot of people would back up and say, hey, I didn't buy into that. But you know that it's through the Word of God, again, when we take the the Word and begin to apply it to ourselves, we begin to find out who the is's and the ain't's are. But what it also applies in my life, it it reflects that there's maybe some need within my life. And so today, we we want to take this passage, we want to look at it, we want to see how Jesus Christ turned some concepts upside down, and I want you to apply it in your own life. Whether Whether you've called yourself a Christian for 50 years, or whether you just uh, the last five weeks, or, or maybe you've never even considered Christianity. I think we need to know the truth of God's Word, because the Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth should make you free. You know, I thank God, God for doctors that tell me the truth. I don't want someone to beat around the subject. If I have a need, I have a need. And, um, and, and it's the same way from a spiritual standpoint that we need people to tell us the truth. Denial destroys so many people. So let's take the Bible. Let's, let's stand, to get, if you would, to, in honor of reading God's Word. If you found Luke, the ninth chapter. And this was a, a point in Jesus' life where we're going to catch to the very end of this. I want to back up um, from my focal passage, read a, a few verses to give us some context. But Jesus Christ, had just uh, had, he, he, he had, he's needing some downtime for himself. I think we miss this sometimes. We, he needed some downtime for himself. He went off to be with his disciples, but when the people found it, everyone gathered around him. Moms and dads, I know sometimes you need some downtime for yourself. But it's amazing that the children can look you up. You know, if, if we are, 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 are dealing with an aged parent like my family is, and I know so many of you are too, that... You think, man, I just need some time to myself, but you know what? The need's still there, and I thank God that we serve a Jesus Christ that no matter how tired He was, that He was always able to minister to people's needs. He was able to put aside His own desires. He's able to put aside His own needs, and so that He could minister to others. And and that's what Jesus had done because the people found out that he was there they began to throng him he had went up in the mountain to take some rest but but um the, the needs of the people were too great and and not only were they there but they had they had some some physical needs they were hungry and Jesus told his apostles let's feed these people well, how many were there was it you know was it like when 14 shows up at your house no there were 5000 men plus women and children maybe 15 20,000 people and, you know, they were not in mid-Jacksonville. They you know, they were, uh, the apostle said, hey, even if we had the money, there was not enough food for all these people. That's another story within itself. Folks, God can supply all of our needs. And so one little boy showed up, and, and uh, a, a great part of the story is that all he had was uh, two little fish and five biscuits, enough that his mama packed for him. But God can take little, and he can make much out of it. And he took those, that little bit of uh, food that was offered for the boy. And, you know, that's another lesson that we need to learn. Boy, I'm getting into all kinds of stuff this morning. You know, you might not have much, but get, just give what you have to Jesus. He knows what we have. And we can't give what we don't have, just give what we have and, and, and let him multiply. And that's what he did with that little boy. And, and can you imagine that, boy, that little boy's testimony when he went home to Mama? She, I know that she was felt like Johnny was stretching a big truth, that Mama uh, uh, Jesus took my my little lunch and fed 20,000 people. And after that all finished up and they got all the people home, that's where we... We find ourselves in verse 17. In Luke, the ninth chapter, the word of God teaches us, and they did eat, and were all filled, and there was taken up fragments that remained to them, twelve baskets. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, saying, whom did the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and some say, Elias or Elijah. And the others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. But he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God, the Messiah. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Let's just stop there. Father, I pray that you'd bless the the reading of this word, the preaching of this word, but also, Father, that the receiving of this word. And I just pray that, that, God, that you would just um, let us see ourselves as you see us. And, God, I just pray that you'd reach in and, and God, meet us in, in those deep needs. So, Father, I pray that you'd bless this time. Oh, God, just do a work. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, after this great mountaintop of the experience, I imagine especially after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and they gathered them up, The the disciples who who said, well, well, what are these few amongst so many? I mean, the disciples had great doubt. How can somebody take two fish, five biscuits, and feed 20,000 people? But just like Jesus did, after Jesus accomplished that, there were 12 baskets left over. Why 12 baskets? I think there was 12 baskets for 12 doubting disciples. And you can imagine the talk that was was going amongst the disciples. Did you see that? They were just amazed. But then as Jesus gathered them later that evening and he was talking to them, he began to probe because they had been out amongst the people. He had used them to feed the people. Again, they were among the people. And he began to ask them, who do the people say that I am? It's not that Jesus didn't know. He was just trying to draw this trying to draw this out of disciples. And, and, and he says, you know, that some, of, some of them said that you're John the Baptist. And there's others say that, 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 that you must be Elijah. Others say that you're just one of the, the, the old prophets that, who have died but have risen again. Well, there's all types of ideas of who Jesus Christ was. And folks, that's really how it is in the world today. That just because somebody mentions the name of Jesus, you need to define who are they talking about. Because that will make all the difference in the world. And Jesus looked at them, and I think when he did that, he kind of put a stare on them. And and I think he inflected his voice when he says, but who do you say that I am? See, it doesn't matter what other people say. Who do you say that I am? That personalizes it, doesn't it? Sam, who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what your mama says doesn't matter what Kathy says. Sam, who do you say that I am? So that's when Jesus begins to put the finger on us. Folks, we can't base our salvation, we can't base our ideas of Christ on what somebody is. You can't base your idea of Christ on what the, who the preacher says Jesus is. You have to base it upon who you are. You have to, you have to, you have to search out and you have to work out your own salvation. No one else can do that for you. So who do you say that I am? Peter's always the first one to speak up. And and Peter says, you're the Christ of God. You're the Messiah. Wow. What a statement, because the Messiah was he that had been promised to God for centuries. And Israel had been waiting for centuries and centuries for the Christ, the Messiah of God to come to deliver his people to bring them out of bondage and and bring redemption into the land. And so for Peter to say this, it was a bold statement that most people would be even afraid to to, to lip. But Peter said it. Which in another one of the the gospels uh, that that Jesus says, Peter, it, it wasn't flesh and blood that gave that to you. That was the Holy Spirit. Because only, only the Holy Spirit can open our eyes. So you could imagine what was going on within the disciples. Man, first of all, they had just witnessed Jesus perform this tremendous miracle of feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. Now they were gathered together and, and Jesus didn't rebuke. He, he did not rebuke. Peter for saying that you are the Christ. And so now they were in the midst of the Christ. The Messiah has come. And we've already seen him work. And, and I'm sure that the disciples were doing some high fives. You know, they were, they, they were some busting, some fists, and they were excited. This was something they'd waited their whole lives for. But then Jesus. Turn their world upside down and their idea of the Christ. And Jesus has a way of doing that. He has a way of of, of turning our world upside down. Because then when Jesus just allowed himself to be identified as the Christ, he began to re- reveal to them what was ahead of the Christ. And that's when when he said these things. He said, The Son of Man, and this was all within the context, speaking of himself, because that was Jesus' favorite. Um, identification of himself, he was the son of man. When he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the chief priest and the scribes and you know, all, the, all the important people, that he would be rejected, but not only would he be rejected of men, but the Bible said that also that he would be slain and raised again on the third day. This messed the disciples up because the Messiah was supposed to be a victorious king. He was supposed to be the one doing the slaying. He was not to be slain himself. This was a man that that the crowd should be coming and and applauding and, and worshiping, not that men were rejecting. And so it just messed them up. Here you say that you are the Christ... But we don't understand why you have to suffer. Why you have to be rejected. Why you have to be slain. But Jesus didn't stop there. He threw another bombshell right in their midst. He says, not only is this true of the disciple, but this is true of you all also. And that's when he gave this famous verse. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. What Jesus Christ was saying now that, yeah, I'm the Messiah but I'm going to suffer many things and I'm going to have to give my life. And he gave his life on a, on a rugged cross. But then he says, you know what? If you follow me, I'm going to ask you to do the same. Yow. I think that kind of sucked the air out of the group. I've heard probably one of them saying, I didn't know if I signed up for this. <laughs> man, I, I thought when the Messiah came, man, we were all going to get us a big horse, and we were we just going to ride in, and we, we were just going we to be the victors. And now what you're talking about, that I have to give myself up, and I have to pick up my cross? Because they knew the cross represented death. But what Jesus Christ was doing, as he continued to do in Scripture, Jesus come to turn the world upside down. You see, that's what made Jesus Christ and His teachings so different than the world. This is why Jesus Christ was rejected by the world. This is why Jesus Christ, the world hated Him so bad that they would even nail Him to a cross. Because Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, to live you must first die. To be rich, you must first be poor. To be great in the kingdom of heaven must mean you must be first a servant. Wow. That flipped the world upside down. And it flips the world upside down today. But I'm here to submit to you today that although this teaching is scary... And although it's so contrary to what the world, and maybe even in some popular Christian circles may be preaching, these words of Jesus Christ are the greatest blessings you'll ever receive. And that's why we want to look today at the idea of the blessings of denying yourself. That how Jesus Christ is not asking us to do something, to take something away. He's asking us to do something, to give us something that we would never experience otherwise. Folks, if you continue to act like the world you're going to continue to reap what the world has to offer. You know, it may taste good for a little while but it's going to eat your lunch after a while. Jesus says, I have something so much better for you but you have to do it my way. So let's stop and let's examine why did Jesus Christ say, how can this be such a blessing that where he says, if anyone should follow me, that he'd first have to deny himself and take up his cross daily. I mean, it's something we do every day. To come after me. Well, let's just break this down. Let's just ask these, these particular things for a moment. First of all, to deny ourself, to to give away myself... Is the only way that I can truly practice or experience true worship of God. I can't, I can't truly worship God in any other way than first denying myself. Why is this so important? Because, folks, we were created for worship. The one, When God created man, he created man. Not only with body and soul, but he also created man with spirit. He, God breathed an eternal soul into man. A man that's beyond just the physical. And within that soul, that there's that desire to worship. The Bible teaches us that God has put, into, put eternity in, in the heart of man. No matter who you are, you may be in here today, and you may deny there's even a God. Okay, you can do that mentally, but I can tell you within your soul, there's a soul that cries out, what about eternity? You can keep pushing that back, and you can keep pushing that back all you want, but I can guarantee you within your soul, there's a question, what about eternity? I tell you, this shows up so much at the death of so-called atheists. Be honest, folks, there's no atheists on the deathbed there's a restlessness there's a fidgetiness because they know that there's something deep within their soul that has not been met and so and so to, to god has created us with this within us within our soul that we are to worship but only true worship comes when we worship the one true god of heaven And folks, there's nothing that can give you greater joy. There's nothing that that brings greater peace is when you come in the point where you're experiencing true worship with the God who created you. You talk about intimacy, true intimacy with God, true relationship, true fellowship with God where where you become one with God is, 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 is where you worship Him. Worship Him. You see, there's so many people that know about God, but they don't know God. You can rip off Bible verses. You can do all the right things. You can teach the Sunday school classes. You can help the little widows across the street and all of this stuff and in the name of God. But in all reality, you've not known God. And how can you truly worship one you do not know? How can you have intimacy with one that you not know? You may ask this question, what is worship? Worship is that thing that you devote yourself to or 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 you obligate yourself to. And many times it's a deity, but, but folks, it can be in any way. See, we're all worshipers. We all have this craving inside to to worship something. But for most, it's not our creator. Instead, it's the creation. You see, I can worship my children, I can I could worship church. I, I can worship money i can, i can worship sports i i can, I can worship my, my intellect I, I can worship i can worship other other people we're all worshipers we're all wanting to place our devotion on something and the way that we can we can find that out what do i worship is where do i spend the most time where does my mind go to the most is my mind fixated on my job is my mind fixated on Growing perfect children. Is my mind fixated on the on the on the on the, on the, the house and the property I own, and, and you know, and I, I work extra hours just to have the bigger house or the bigger car. Well, I, I can submit to you whatever your mind is fixated on, or whatever wherever your heart is, that's what you worship. As a matter of fact, that's what Christ or what God deals with in the first two commandments when he says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, or thou shalt make no other graven images. Basically, he's saying the basic same thing because what happens is is we replace the God who created us with the God of creation. And, And God knows for our own benefit that brings disaster. Sometimes those are represented in graven images. There's none of us. Um, probably here today, that has a little Buddha sitting on our counter, you know, that we, we kneel down to. But I can tell you, we have Buddhas in our checkbooks and we have Buddhas in our, um, you know, in our cell phones or on our TVs that, that we bow down and worship to. See, the question is not whether I worship, I worship something, but the question is, what do I worship? And you know, the, the number one thing we worship? Is me. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us. David says, "I was conceived in iniquity; that even when we we're born, we we're all born sinners." And what it means to be born as a with a sin nature, sin. That that when God created man, God created man, and just imagine a throne on our heart, that that place of worship. And when God created man, on, the, on um, when when God created man with that throne in our hearts, that God. God himself is the only one that will fulfill sitting on that throne. But the problem is, is the the reason that man's fallen, the reason that we've sinned is we have moved God off the throne and we've put self on the throne. It's not about God, it's about me. And every child is born, every child that is born into this world is born with self on the throne. When you were born, you were born with self on the throne of your heart. That means we're all fallen. That, that also gives an example why you never have to teach a child to, to cheat or to steal. They, they're real proficient at it. You know, I never taught Lee or Kenner or Kaylin to lie, but, but you know what, they, were, they, 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 they had some good ones every now and then. You know, some of them were more proficient than others. I never told them how to manipulate. Lee was, I mean, she, she manip- manipulated her little sisters like you've never seen them. They were always the bad ones. You know what I'm talking about. You don't have to teach a child to snatch their toy away from another child. I see Mark right there, my nephew. Mark, you eat everything up. You bit everything and every child that was around you. Your, your, aunt, your aunt kept you, and she about had to throw you out because you, you just eaten up Everybody. Now, I guarantee you, Mark's mama never taught him to bite other children. <laughs> See, we laugh at that because it's true. It's why, because, because children come with the they, they worship themselves. It's all about me. That's where the worship is. And, you know, now, later they may apply that worship, but really the other things that they collect is just an identification of themselves. You know, for some kids, they, they, you know, they want to d- identify themselves as, I'm um, having a lot of property or, you know, being good in sports. And so they they collect these these images around them. But, but really what they're doing is worshiping themselves through all these graven images. Folks, we do the same thing. See, I, if, if you'd allow me to hang around with you for a period of time and just let me, you know, like these reality shows and just kind of keep my cameras on and just watching you for a month, I could pretty well identify what you worship the same way you could do with me. Because our actions and our talk and our spending habits will always reveal that which we worship. And, and the reason I'm saying that and the reason that Jesus says, except a man deny himself, you can't follow me, because Jesus Christ says you can never be a true worshiper of God and you can never truly adore me and you can never experience the joy of true fellowship with me until first you deny yourself. Wow. Can you imagine being with a group of people that had completely laid themselves aside and all they did was just worship Christ in the truest sense? You see, so many of the things, that the worries that we bring in here this morning, you know what your worries are? It's because you have focused your, your worship on something else rather than the God who can provide all of your needs. I, I'll, I'll deal with that in just a moment. So let me just again deal with that. And there's always a conflict in worship. There's always, there's always competing, there's always competing things. That, you know, God desires our worship, but also Satan wants to also, also wants to get, he wants to reflect our worship off of God and onto himself, which is really just us. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting that that when Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted, you know what one thing he was tempted for? He was tempted for his worship. As a matter of fact, the, the, Bible, the Bible teaches it this way. In and, 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 and Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 8 and following, let me just tell, show you what, what was said. It says, And again, the devil taketh him into an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he saith unto them, All these things I will give to thee, if you will fall down and worship me. Then says Jesus unto him, Get thee thence from Satan, uh, or get thee hence Satan, for it is written, I shall worship the Lord thy God only, and him only shall thou serve. What I'm submitting to you, if Satan can, will tempt Jesus Christ for his worship, he's going to tempt you for your worship too. And if he, can, if, he, if he offers you the world, I mean, Jesus the world, he'll offer that to you too. You know, if you'll just hang out with this crew, or, 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 or you'll just do this and, 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 and worship me, then I'll give you all these things. And folks, it's very easy to fall prey into that. And so the question is, am I a true worshiper of God? But, and if you're not, you'll never experience or practice the joy of true worship. But let me move on. Also, denying ourselves is such a blessing because, first of all, by denying myself, I can, I can enter into true worship with God. But also, secondly, it's only through denying self that I can follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said these words, and He said unto them, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, the the word Christian... They did not put them on themselves. That's what the a lost world looked at the people of Antioch because they were such followers of Christ they began to call them a name kind of in a mocking term that he began, they began to call them Christians because these were people that were trying to act like Christ. I think that was, they actually complimented them where they were trying to, 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 to put a name on them. But... The real description of, of, of believers are followers of Christ. And, and we hear Jesus say right here, and then you'll follow me. Maybe he's also playing off that term where when he went to the, the sea shore and there he saw Peter and Andrew, and then later James and John, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so what Jesus is saying, if you're truly going to be a follower of me, if you're truly going to be a Christian, it's not by name only. You have to follow me. And you have to understand when he's saying follow me, to follow someone you have to understand they have, they have walked the path before you have. They're ahead of you. So anything that he's asking you to do, he's already, he's already done that. So when he asks you to de- deny yourself, he's already denied himself. When he's asking you to take up your cross daily, he's already taken up his cross daily. And he's saying that if you're going to be a true follower of Christ, it's not something in name. It's not just something that we get a little emotional about every night. It's, it's, it's just something practical that every day that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And taking up our cross is that whole idea of just dying of ourselves and our own wants and our own needs. That which we're sacrificing. You know, it doesn't, taking up the cross doesn't mean that you've been, you, you married an idiot for a husband. That was your fault. I mean, I mean, so much of our problems, you know, that we can't say, "Oh, he's my cross." No, he's your problem, but he's not your cross, you know. Or, 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 you know, I got a bad knee. I got a, oh. folks, we all have bad knees and bad ankles, and that's just part of growing old. Okay. Picking up our cro- taking up our cross is where Christ, if we follow him, that he is asking for specific sacrifices in our life, that it's going to cost us something to follow him. And that which it costs you is your cross. See, I can follow him with a head husband or I can follow him with a bad knee. But there's some other things he's going to ask me of that I can't follow him except I do those things. And what he says the first is, I need to deny myself. Well, that just begins to really change reflection. You know, know, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Have you denied yourself? Have you been willing to take up your cross? Have you been able to, to suffer if Jesus asked you to suffer? Well, that changes the tune. You see, Jesus himself has went before us. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus who said, the Son of Man has come not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, you're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the God of heaven, who, who, who created heaven by the, vo- by the breath of his mouth. And the Bible says before he came to this earth, that he you who's know, around the throne of grace where... Angels worshipped him day and night, holy, holy, holy. But he denied himself and he came to give his life for you and me. That's, that's picking up your cross. So Jesus is not asking us to do something. He says, I, I've come, I, I didn't come for you to minister to me. I've come to minister to you. And, and I'll take it a step further to give my life as a ransom for many. You know, not, I'm not giving my life to paying for my own faults. I've given my life to pay for your faults. Paul described it this way in just one of the, the, the great passages I love in, in scriptures in Philippians, the second chapter. When, and again, I, I like how Paul says it when he says, let this mind be in you, let this attitude. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to have the same attitude as, in, as Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. The Bible, and, and, and can, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. That took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Yeah. And Jesus says, Follow me. If you want the kingdom of heaven, this is the path you're going to take. And so we need to ask ourselves what about me? Now, Paul described himself in this idea. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. What, what he's talking about crucified, I've denied myself. I've died to myself. He says. Then he says, it's no longer I who live because I've denied myself. He says, but, but nevertheless I live because the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul was saying, he says, I've done this. He says, I've denied myself. I've crucified myself. I've crucified my wants, I've crucified my desires, I've crucified my deeds, I've crucified my plans. See, that, that's what gets us in a mess so many times, is because we, we want to say we have Jesus, but we still want to hold on to our plans, our desires, and our purposes. But when we truly follow Christ, we have to deny ourselves, we have to abdicate our rights. And say, Jesus, I place them in your hand. And, and, and so that's what mean, a follower of Christ means. And so if you want Jesus, if, the, if you really want Jesus, and He is the way, the truth, and the life, no man can come to the Father but through Him. But the only way you can have Jesus, the only way that you can have Jesus is following Him by denying yourself and taking up your cross and daily and following You know, that may not play well with a lot of... Modern talk, but folks, that's the Word of God. This is not Johnny speak, this is the Word of God speak. So if you really want Jesus, He's that great treasure. He's a treasure that, that, that's above all treasures. He's the treasure. If I find it, I need to sell everything else I have so that I can receive the treasure of Jesus Christ. But the, re, the way that I receive that is just giving of myself and following Him. No denying self, no Jesus. No taking up the cross daily, no Jesus. Because Jesus himself said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Hmm. I'll tell you something else that only through denying ourselves can we truly have a, a full assurance of our salvation. I submit to you, there's a lot of people out there. I've met many of them throughout the, throughout my life. That if I were to ask them, "Do you know Jesus? Do you believe you'll, if you died you'd go to heaven?" They say, "Sure." I mean, they are fully convinced that 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 I, I I've I bought my ticket years ago to heaven, and I'm, I'm ready to cash it in. Huh. But the problem is, they might have bought it from the wrong vendor. Folks, just by mouthing a prayer does not guarantee you salvation. Just because you're a member, of, your name's on the membership role of Rayford Road Church does not guarantee your salvation. Just because you've done all these good deeds does not gain your salvation. Just because you've been baptized at birth and then 45 times afterwards, (laughs) does not grant you salvation. Jesus says, the only way you can be assured of your salvation is it's revealed in our lifestyle that there's a change that occurs within your life. The Bible says, if any man's a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. What are those old things? Those old things are my old desires, my old wants, my old needs. All those things have changed in my life. But because he has replaced them with something new. He's, he's replaced them with his wants, his desires, his purposes within my life. And, 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 and Jesus makes it very plain. I mean, this is not a play on words. When Jesus says this, he says he says so clearly, if a man, any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But then listen to what he says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. So what he's saying, if, if you want to save your desires, if you want to, if you want to make sure you, you hold on to your wants and your purposes, he says, fine, but you're going to lose your life. You may save your life of desires and purposes, but, he said, go for it. But you're going to lose your life. But he says, but anyone who loses their life, and what he says, whoever would deny themselves and say it's not about me, then he said, you shall gain life. Man, how, how clear can that be, folks? And so what he is basing, the very part of our salvation, that there's something that's happened in my life where I've been broken and I've given myself to him, and then he's turned around and given himself to me. And that's the only way that I can be assured of my salvation. Now, folks, I'm not perfect. And boy, we went through a Bible conference this week, and this morning I was thinking about how stupid I've been. I I mean, because you you know what the basis of that, that marriage conference was? Is we all had to repeat, I am the main problem of my marriage. It's all about me. It's all about my selfishness. It's all about the things I've allowed myself to worship. That's where my problems come from. You know, so I'm not perfect, and and I'm working at it. But folks, I'm not like I used to be. Praise God for that. Things, music that I used to listen to, I can't even turn it on the radio now. Huh? You understand what I'm saying, Brother Max? I used to think, who would want to listen to something gospel? Now, who'd want to listen to this other stuff, you know? You know, and I'm, and I'm not talking about styles. I'm talking about, you know, I, I just don't care about listening about a man laying up with a woman anymore. I want to hear about somebody exalting Christ. You know, my, my appetites has changed. The places I hang out with, you know, places I used to go, man, I, you know, I kind of can't go there anymore. I can tell you, one of my struggles years, I had a filthy mouth years ago thank God he cleaned up my mouth I'm telling you folks I used to think man I can't go fishing unless I have my equipment my equipment was a six pack of tall buds that's what I worshipped. I don't need that anymore You see, again, I'm, not, I'm still working at it. I still have some places I fall down. But I know that I'm not the person I used to be because there's come a time I had to deny myself and say, Christ, it's not about me. It's all about you. I want you to guide my life. I don't want to guide my life anymore. I, I could make a royal screw-up of my life. so the only way I can I have the assurance of my salvation is I know that I have Christ living within me and that he will not allow me to get away with things I used to get away with. Because now it's Christ living within me. But also, other than denying yourself, you can never experience the full joy of a life set free. Man, I, I, could, I could do a whole series on this, and I'm going to have to sum it up in about two minutes. You know, free from the burden of self-worship and pride. Folks, there's a great burden when we try to worship ourselves. You know, when I try to make myself the God of my life, then that's why I'm saying, God, I need to be my provider. I need to be um, my protector the God that, that, um, that all, 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 of, all of the God stuff, I'm saying, I'm going to handle it. Folks, that's a, that's a burden God's not called me to carry. Because one thing I can realize, I'm, I'm never good enough. If, if I'm the best God there is, I, you know, there, the, the, the God's in bad shape. And so when you try to play God in your life and worship yourself and worship your own abilities, then, 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 then there's going to be some frustration in that. Because you're never going to measure up. And that's what that's what that's what, that's what worshiping ourselves or, or 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 pride will do to us. It will puff us up bigger than we really are. And, and what we always try to do is when we're puffed up bigger than what we really are, we try to put on faces that we're something that we're not. And folks, there's a burden that God never intended us to carry. He didn't. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our very present help in time of trouble. He wants to be the one who sees when when we're in darkness all by ourselves. He wants to be our shepherd, Jehovah Rapha, whom Psalm 31 says, and because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when I try to make myself God, there's so much burden for that. I can't do that. I'm carrying a burden God never intended me to, to carry. And so, when I deny myself, I'm saying, God, it's not about me, it's all about you. That lifts the burden. God is now, you're my provider. You're my healer. You're my sanctifier. You're my righteousness. You're the one that's there in time of trouble. That God, I'm casting myself on you. I'm not not doing that anymore, Lord. And so, it, it frees me that... I don't have to try to be God anymore. I don't have to. I can do the best I can with my children. But praise God that I I know that I can't change my children's heart. But I got a God who can. He's the God of my children. He's the God of that wayward child. I don't have to fret. That I can put them in God's hands and I don't have to carry that burden. Maybe I didn't do enough but also there's that freedom and i don't think this is you know from the that constant frustration and that's what it is it's it's constantly frustrating when we're trying to do things ourselves you know i take it very very serious about as a man being the provider of my home but you know i've i've, I've had some times where I know a couple of times in my life where where God just told me to quit my job and just trust me. There's some of you that's, you know, not that God told you, but maybe you lost your job for the economic collapse or whatever. The question is, am I going to trust God or I'm not? Am I, you know, if I'm going to just say, God, I place myself in your hands, I'm going to trust you. And God, I'm not going to live myself and worry and fret. i want going to trust the God who will provide. There's freedom in that, folks. There's freedom in the fact that, again, I had that wayward child, but I have a God that knows where he is right now and a God that can move upon his heart. It's what only God can do. You see, that's the next thing. I mean, the, the, the other thing that we have to... Well, well, I'm going to get to that last, but also there's a freedom from the heartache of conflict and drama. James says, you know where all the wars and fightings come? It says they come from the, or from the desires that are fighting within you. Folks, all the, most of our own conflict are ones that we have brought upon ourselves because I'm worshiping me. I guarantee in my marriage, by far, most of the conflict is because... I have been trying to, I've tried to be the God of not only my life, but one life. It doesn't work. She doesn't work very well that way. She hadn't ever seen me as God. (laughs) And she's told me that. (laughs) But most of our conflict and most of the drama is self-inflicted because we have tried to rule our own lives. You know, it's an amazing if we would die to ourselves and we give away our own desires, we give away, we abdicate our own rights, then what's there to fuss about anymore? You know, that's what Jesus did. The Bible says he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his rights. He emptied himself of. Um, and, and so, therefore, when he was led to the slaughter, the Bible says he was silent. When he was reviled, he re- reviled not again. See, no one can make you mad but you. No one can tick you off but you. Because it's what's inside of you. It's not what's, what's outside of you. We learned this in the marriage conferences. It's not what outside of you that affects your life. It's what's inside of you. And so again, your wife may be having a bad hair day. And we all know, I heard that on the TV. They did a report the other day when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. You know, everybody seemed to agree with that. Well, maybe mama's not having a happy day. But mama can't make you mad, husbands. It's what inside of you that will make you mad. And so if we would deny ourselves that it's not about us, then that would just eliminate so much conflict and drama that goes on in our house. And I think we'd all like that. I mean, so much of our conflict is where self bows up and says, I'm not going to take it anymore. I want my way. But when that is dead, it stops. And then finally, the life set free is a, a life free of worry. As long as I'm the God of my own life and I'm letting self run my own life, I'm incapable. And So again, if, when financial problems come, I worry about them because I think I'm going to be have the one that fixes those. Or when sickness comes to my home, I worry about them because I'm I'm, I'm worried about who's going to fix the sickness in my home. Or when a a rebellious child comes along, who's going to fix my child? You see, because, again, it focuses on me. But when I have denied myself and I've picked up my cross and I've said, God, it's not about me anymore, it's about you. (coughs) God, I've given everything I have and said, God, you're going to have to fix my financial problems. God, you're the one that's going to have to take care of my wayward child, that, that I, I'm able to release my child to the Lord. And, and folks, it just means the worry begins, because I've, I've placed the burden on God's shoulders no longer, uh, and it's not on my shoulders anymore. There's, there's freedom in that. And so today as I close, I'm going to ask you, what about you? Huh, are you a follower of Christ? Now let's talk about that. That means to be a follower of Christ means you deny yourself and take your cross daily. Does't mean you're perfect. But you have recognized that, that I, I can't be the God of my own life. But that's the only way that you're going to truly be able to worship God. That's the only way that you're truly going to have an assurance of your own salvation. That's the only way that you can ever going to really experience true freedom within your life when you say, "God, I'm yours." And I believe that there every person in this room that, 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 that this should touch in some area of your life. And I, try, I pray today, dear friends, that there would just be a commitment to God. I'm going to deny, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to lay myself down today, and I'm going to trust you. Maybe there's a person here today that's never, never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You may have said a prayer. You may have been on the membership roll here for 50 years. But because of what was said today, you've never truly denied yourself. You always wanted to be the God of your life. Let me tell you, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. Jesus took up the, his cross to pay for your sins. You cannot come to Jesus but through him. I invite you to Jesus Christ today. You may need to talk to someone. I just ask you to call out upon Jesus. I'll be here waiting for you. Um, and um, invite you to Jesus Christ Christian, you may be here today, and, and maybe you have given yourself to Christ, but you know, there's, some, there's still some things you've been trying to handle yourself. You may want to just come to deny that yourself and say, God, these are your, this is your business, it's not mine. Let God work in your life. Experience true worship, nothing better. Father, I pray that you'd be with us now, and God, as we come to this time, I pray that Christ to be lifted up and honored. And, Father, you just do the work that needs to be done in this place. Thank you, Father, for your word. So, God, we love you, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.